People deluded, I'm back again. I hope you're all doing well and safe. Thank you very much for tuning back into another edition of the Deluded Podcast. It's really appreciative how much you lot support my content across all the mediums, primarily and predominantly YouTube. You know, I do little things on Instagram here and there. We've got little bits of written pieces here and there. And, you know, once a week I like to do the podcast thing because I think audio is the place it's going. Um, I really should do more than, than once a week, really and truly, and put as much effort into it as my YouTube. But I try and make this slightly different in my approach really and truly um I, you lot can never see it because you obviously can't see the, the the visuals but i always feel i don't know when i'm recording youtube videos it feels less serious when i'm doing this it feels more serious maybe it's because i've got my macbook macbook pro you know us mac fans when we got a mac we gotta let everybody know and my headphone and i'm just looking at it, it feels like i'm giving a speech or something but you lot know it's been a good week for arsenal fans so you know i'm in good moods for this podcast it's I don't, you know, let me not count my chickens too tough because, you know, we've seen Spurs lose, Chelsea lose, Arsenal getting three points, Saka new deal, clean sheet, Aubameyang scoring, you know, good things happening, but the week's not done. True say we've got a tough game on on Saturday against Wolves. Um, it is well, it is. Um, and things like that, man. It's been a, it's just a lot of football is being played over the last coming days, as you lot know, and will be. And a lot of football has already been played. So, um, just quickly, the FA Cup, obviously, it was nice for Arsenal to get through against Sheffield United. Obviously, Chelsea and Lampard wasn't happy with their performance, but they were able to advance in their clash. Um, Norwich were beaten in extra time by Manchester United. Man City continued business as usual against Newcastle people, which is a crazy one. Now, before I carry on with the Premier League action, people, I just thought it'd be interesting because obviously you don't know Black Lives Matter is a big thing. Um, I can understand people when they say they support the statement and not necessarily the movement. Again, those of you that are educated enough know that the movement isn't, you know, people standing up for justice. It's the organisation. And I, and I get it because, you know, I'm not to make this a political thing. It's a bit crazy. But... um. A number of people are kind of dropping the Black Lives Matter slogan and things. And sadly, Crystal Palace have become the first Premier League team to distance themselves from the Black Lives Matter UK movement. Um, and they said, and while Palace insists they do back the ethos of the cause, they today issued a statement during a definitive line between football's adoption of the anti-discrimination message and the wider demands of the movement. That decision was taken after league bosses came under pressure over the badge following a global backlash against the aims of the movement. As you lot already know, Patrice Ever and Jamie Redknapp recently ditched their BLM badges for a live broadcast. And apparently the BBC has reportedly told presenters not to wear the badge after the campaign was accused of hijacking George Floyd's death for political causes. I'm not going to expand on that. It's just a bit disappointing. Obviously, Palace are going to save face by saying they still insist that they follow their thing and whatnot. If I was one of the numerous, you know, ethnic minority, to put it nicely, players or black players at Palace, I'd feel some sort of way, but it is what it is. But they did say, we stand proudly alongside the members of the of the BAME community, which, you know, kind of contradicts it because, you know, BAME is a, the BAME is a term that needs to be left. It's, it's umbrella putting a lot of different diverse communities in what, under one roof, which is crazy. I mean, you know, I find it a bit ironic that you're talking about Black Lives Matter, but you're calling it BAME. And he said... Um, we stand proudly alongside members of the BAME community, our players and employees, and stand behind the ideals and ethos of Black Lives Matter. However, we would like to make it clear that we do not endorse any pressure group or body that carries the same term in its name. And we strongly believe that organisations should not use this important force for change and positivity to push their own political agendas. 
We want to be a part of a world that is fair, inclusive and open to all. As an organisation, we recognise that we need to do more and we'll do more to contribute towards this goal. So let's see if Crystal Palace are actually back in their chat, people. Apologies if you can hear my laptop because it's actually just decided to assume the position of making just mere noise, isn't it? I don't think you can, but if you can, apologies. But moving to the Premier League now, and you know, Watford, who are fighting relegation, I backed them to beat the drop, but they've got some tough games to play. Um, they were defeated three goals to one against Southampton. You know, Danny Ings continues his good form. Wolves, who we've got on Saturday, you know, two points off the top four with this win. Their 1-0 win over Aston Villa. Crystal Palace lost 1-0 to Burnley. Mason Greenwood, goal and assist. And I will get onto it a bit, but, you know, for me, Foden, Mason Greenwood, Bakayo Saka, um, um, Jude Bellingham, give him a bit of time. These are the players Southgate needs to call up and put a hat over them and develop them from now. Mason Greenwood's a baller, a baller. Like, you know what? His goal was good, but the assist, man. That count, The whole counter-attack move, I think it was United. It must have been United's last goal, and I think Bruno ended up putting it in the back of the net. Lovely counter-attacking move. And for me, don't get it twisted. Greenwood's the goal. You would want to score more. He's a striker and things. But that assist is better than the goal for me because it showed his temperament to get his head up, to put that lovely weight of the pass. That's what I like about Greenwood. I think for Greenwood... It's just a, he's one of them. He's like soccer for me. He's like it's it's like he's been playing at this level for a minute, and now you're just waiting for you know playing a bit more games, get a bit more confident. He's getting faster. He's getting stronger as well. He's gonna be a crazy player now. Let's just let him develop. He's a young man, but he's crazy man. Both footed, can play across all front three positions. I I personally rate him higher than Rashford. Um, I think Martial's got a lot of potential, but he's been we've been saying this for a number of years. So I'm gonna probably I might be getting excited with this because I like Mason Greenwood and watched him his development. I think he's the most talented out of all of them. I think he can be a baller. I mean, if they go and get Sanjo and in a, in addition to Greenwood, it's crazy. I think, you know, in terms of the platform that Rashford is, I think Greenwood's going to have that one day. And, you know, he is a Manchester United player, clearly. You know, I'd say a Manchester United player, which Ferguson would define as that. You know, he's a very good player. So let's just let him develop and things. But if I'm Gareth Southgate, you know, I'm calling him up, man. Now... For me, like I said, Phil Foden since the restart, we'll get onto him, but he's been crazy. Saka deserves a call-up and so does Greenwood. They're the three I'm putting my hat on. Jude Bellingham, you know, he's 16-17 playing week in, week out now for, for Birmingham and apparently he's going to complete a move to Borussia Dortmund. I believe he's someone you've got to put a hat on because you've got these lot. Then obviously you've got the, the ones that are kind of young but just a bit older, like there's the Sanjos and, you know, you've got Sterling who's probably a senior member of that team now. You know, I think these are people, especially for me, you know, Phil Foden's a definite. You have to build a team around him. Greenwood, you might as well because he's a bad boy. Saka, you can't ignore him. Do you get it? You know, Callum Hudson, if he gets fit and he gets back in this conversation, cool. But they're the three. I'm not saying, you know, they must play if there was an England in the semi-final tomorrow, throw all three in. I'm saying, you know, you've got what, the next World Cup, forgive me if I'm wrong, 2022 in two years, I lie, people. I don't know how everything changes with all, you know, the COVID and the, the, the all these things, but... And I'm not saying they'll even be ready now, but surely it makes more sense to throw your hat on Greenwood, Foden, Saka and these sort of men, in addition to the ones that are already there, and try to develop a team, try to do what the Germans did for years, then, you know, just calling up whoever's flavour of the month, because there's been a mix and match done in this England team. Like. So we'll have to see what happens, man. I think Greenwood's a real player. I think Southgate has to call up all three. He has to, he has to man. We need a manager that's going to have the balls to call up these young players and actually have a pathway for them. It's all fun and games talking about the FA's DNA and blah, blah, blah. If you look at anyone, I'd say from 15 to about 21, yeah, all them different age groups, there's some real players that England could have. For me, the under-17s, 18s, 
16s really and obviously not everybody's gonna fall by the wayside some that you're that, you're, that were all myself included some man that we're sleeping on are gonna turn and be ballers some man that we think are assurances are not and it's no crit criticism but you know there's been many footballers that were earmarked for things you know Micah Richards, Jack Wilshere, Jack um, Rodwell um, not to say they haven't had good careers, Sturridge, you know, there's been many players that from young have been seen as someone to go and do something and for one reason or another it hasn't quite happened. Now, I'm not saying it's because of attitude and things like that, there's several ways. I'm just saying, you know, it's dangerous to, pre to, to predict. Why don't we document? Why don't we keep our eye on Greenwood because he's burst through Jude playing in the Championship soon to be Germany. Saka, it's not even an age thing, most consistent, folded, 20 now, scary sort of thing. Put your hat on them, develop them. Because what? How old is he? 20? What about the next five years? You know, what Southgate can do now might last a legacy that, you know, I don't know if he's going to be there in five years. Because you imagine if you started from now, you adjust, you get the way of playing with the majority of these players. Three to five years from now, what's going to happen? Now, the next two years, I, I fully expect to see Saka Greenwood unfolding at the World Cup. I know it's not going to happen, but I think you should. Um, so we'll see what happens with in, in regards to that, man. And I've kind of spoken, I won't go over it again because I've started, you know, waffling and, and speaking about it. But I do believe Southgate has to bring their man there in. But back to the United versus Brighton game. You know what? They won 3-0. Greenwood got a goal and assist. Bruno doing his thing. Pogba looking confident. You know, United, they're, listen, they're, they're attacking players are clicking. They're clicking in terms of... Um, keeping clean sheets now again I, I think off the top of my head I think only Leicester Liverpool it could be City I think there's three teams that have better records than United but United are up there and you know considering Leicester's form considering the calibre of defenders City can choose from injured or not um, you know I think that's decent for Ole Gullis Solskjaer. It should be better. I mean, it's Manchester United. They should be up there for the winning titles most goals least conceded they should be bullying the team but um they're not that at the moment. And I think we'll get on to the top four race, but I think United have put themselves in a good position, hit form at the best time. Their fixtures look good on paper. Again, paper is only paper because no match is easy in the Premier League. This obviously is the time of day, it's time of season, sorry, where a bit of dodgy results happen, you know. I believe Man United welcome Watford at Old Trafford. I expect Man United to walk them off the park because Bournemouth have been playing rubbish. Um, simple as. But, you know, this is a time where they, there could be a shock there, do you get? There could be a shock for numerous teams. You know, Watford might go and... Who are Watford playing? Are they, they're not playing City because Southampton. But you get what I'm saying? There's, there's, a, there's a sort of... There's an uptake. But for Man United, they extended their unbeaten run to 15 games across all comps, drawing four, winning 11. Only Bayern Munich are currently on a longer um, streak without losing in terms of Europe's all big five leagues, which Bayern Munich's 25. Bruno Fernandes has been, you know, I wouldn't... I, I think, you know, I might, off the top of my head, I think he's definitely got a case to be signing of the season. Definitely. You know, he's definitely top two, top three. Definitely. If people want to say he's only been here from January, I'm prepared to concede that. But off the top of my head, I, again, I'd have to really think about it. And maybe because he's, he's fresh to the league, he's signing of the season for me. He definitely has when he's joined in January. You know, typically it takes people a while to settle in January and he's hit the ground running. I do think at times he needs to learn to just... I don't know if it's because he's played for Sporting and he needs to. He needed to kind of always be the man to make the difference. But I feel like United. One thing I like about him is a baller. He wants the ball. You know, he's got that Man United of old attitude. It's like you know, we're not here to be scared. We're trying things. But I do think at times, not not that I like scapegoating, but some of the things I see him do and and it doesn't come off. If it's Paul Pogba, I think Paul Pogba is to being taken to the cleaners. I think one pet peeve is Bruno. Maybe needs to learn to just do things simple at times. It's not always try and do the mad passes and stuff, but he's a he's a baller, man. He's you know in the Premier League you need these 
midfielders who are going to score goals. He's got that. He's got the mentality. He can play simple when he wants, but he needs to do it more. He can mix it up. He's giving United a different dimension. And, you know, I don't want to go as far, but, you know, Pogba must be relishing playing with him. Bruno Fernandes has been directly involved in eight goals in his first eight games for Man United with three goals and five assists. Only Robin Van Persie, who um, had nine, um, had more at this stage um, of his Premier League career with the club, which is, you know, that's decent for him. Greenwood's obviously got six goals this season, which is um, the most by a player age 18 or below in a single Premier League season since Wayne Rooney scored nine for Everton in 03-04. And I mean, Wayne Rooney went to have a good career, you know, it remains to be seen if, if Greenwood can be, you know, follow the likes of, for me, the best teenage English striker was Wayne Rooney, but toss up between Rooney and Owen. Um, if he can go on and keep doing that, will emulate their careers to a degree more so Rooney because he plays for United but he's I, I back him too and he's you know just you can't lie with the stats I don't believe in looking at stats all the time but you know the eyes will tell you Greenwood's a baller it's just a shame he plays for Man United um, he scored 13 goals in all competitions um, one more than Rashford scored for the club before his 19th birthday obviously since his Manchester United debut Bruno Fernandes has been directly involved in more goals in all competitions than any other Premier League player with four goals and five four assists sorry five goals resulting in you know a goal contribution of 10 in nine games Man United have kept seven clean sheets in their last 12 Premier League matches, as many as they managed in their first 40 under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. So whether you believe he's the manager, whether you believe in these players' credentials, you have to give credit. You know, it, the manager clearly has had, a, had and the coaching staff have clearly had a word. You know, defending isn't perfect, um, but and, and you've still got the hair making the occasional lapse in concentration, but the players have clearly fixed up. You know, they're hitting form at the right time in all collective incidences. Players have come back from injury, you know, the whole shenanigans with Paul Pogba's kind of quiet, you know, they're doing their thing attacking-wise, they're defending a decent round of games. If United don't get top four, it's down to them and their mentality because they, you know, I won't go as far as to say it's theirs to lose, but it potentially is. It's more so theirs than it was, you know, you asked me a couple months ago before the break and before Spurs really fell off, I thought Spurs and Leicester might pip it. Um, and it's a bit of an interesting race because I think you've got Wolves. Like I said earlier, they're two points off that, people. They are two points off that. Um, two points off that position. You've obviously got Chelsea who, you know, if you're United, they took three points. You obviously watched Chelsea and Leicester bottle it because third and fourth appear up for grabs, you know. Leicester were running away with it and I still believe they have a chance of getting it. Rogers said they've only got themselves to blame if they don't but they're making it harder for themselves. Chelsea's form hasn't been poor, but it's been poor in that, you know, they kind of struggled against Leicester in the FA Cup, forgive me if I'm wrong, got through that. You know, they weren't at their best necessarily against West Ham and things like that. Um, top four is an interesting race, people. If we just look at who, if we just look at the, the games, people, for, for Man United, let me just type in Manchester United fixtures. I was meant to talk about this earlier, but we might as well just start discussing it now, folks. Again, no games are easy on paper yeah but you know they've got Bournemouth now I expect them to beat Bournemouth but Bournemouth are fighting relegation when your backs are against the wall and you're playing for your Premier League future certain players will crumble certain players will, will stand up to be counted I remember West Ham when they looked to be going down when they had Carlos Tevez they got a result against Manchester United I'm sure Wigan got one one year against us even though they went down I could be wrong but you get the point Man United got Bournemouth, then they got an away trip to Villa on Thursday, which again, you know, Villa, I do expect Man United to win that, but another team fighting relegation. Then they welcome Southampton. Again, I think United will win that. They've got Palace away, which I think could be tricky. West Ham at, um, at home, which, you know, you never know what West Ham's going to turn up. They've got Leicester on the last day of the season, but before that, they've got Chelsea. So their last two games, you know, what, what Man United need to do, it sounds stupid, 
but try and get they need to target nine to twelve points. For me, twelve points. You see nothing less than twelve points. Don't disrespect, you know, Bournemouth, Villa, Southampton, and Palace, but aim for twelve points. Nine is all you can really accept. You can't accept no lower. Um, you do that, you know, and then you've got a good, you know, West Ham also fighting relegation. You know, the last three games, the last nine points, you've got two six pointers, arguably twelve pointers collectively. Because you know, I'm not discrediting West Ham. You never not gonna happen. But if they get through West Ham or we'll get a draw. You've got, man, it all comes down to United versus Chelsea and Leicester versus United, in which, you know, six pointers each, 12 points, almost double points because they're all fighting for top four. So you, it sounds silly, but all United could, for me, if United win all their games prior to them last two, I think they've got it. It sounds dumb, but if they win all their games, they've got it. What United have to do, they have to have a siege mentality. Like I said, we target 12 points. Then when it's the last sh showdown between, you know, the games from West Ham, Chelsea and Leicester, respectively, Nine points on the line. Every game is a cup final. Let's make sure we bring it home, especially Chelsea. And you know what? United have been on point in big games for whatever you say this season over them. So again, I believe it's Manchester United to lose. If we look at Chelsea's fixtures briefly, people, you know, tomorrow they've got Watford, which again, a team fighting relegation. I expect them to win. Um, on Tuesday, they've got Crystal Palace away. They've got Sheffield United away. They've got um, Chelsea. Chelsea will welcome Norwich at home after that. And then the final three games, they've got Liverpool away, they've got Man United away, and they've got Chelsea versus Wolves. So, you know, they've in their last three games, they've got the reigning champions and they've got two teams that are fighting them for the Champions League spots. And before that, obviously, they've got to play, they've got to play Palace, which isn't going to be easy at Selhurst Park. They've got to fight a relegation side in Watford. I mean, Sheffield United, they were poor against us and have been poor by their own standards since the restart. But, you know, they dealt with Chelsea, they dealt with Spurs, sorry. No matter how poor Spurs were, they dealt with them 3-0, so you can't disrespect them. Admittedly, I think Man United's run looks more favourable, but games are not run are won on paper, people. And again, it's important to remember we're focusing on fourth. If Leicester don't fix up, they're making that harder for themselves, people. Obviously, mathematically, teams below them, <coughs> Arsenal can get that, but um, it's not going to happen. I think it's between Wolves, Man United, Chelsea and Leicester as to who is going to get, you know, them places respectively. Um, apology, apologies, apologies, people, I've come off the page. Looking at Leicester's um, games, people, they've got Palace at home tomorrow. They've got to play us, well, right, they're playing us at home. I thought we were playing away to Leicester, say nothing. Are you sure? I thought that game was an away game. But anyways, it says Leicester versus Arsenal at home. I thought that was an away game. Um, I'm pretty sure it is, but I could be wrong. Either way, they've got to play us. And I'm sure Man United and, and Chelsea fans and all these people giving us grief, they're going to turn into our best friends against Wolves and Leicester. They've got to, Leicester have to play Bournemouth. They've got to play Sheffield. They've got to play Spurs. And again, obviously, they end the season against United. It's down to it's down to Leicester. Car. Leicester could be running away with it, but they made it harder for themselves, you know. Um, losing, against, um, losing against Everton. Drawing against Brighton, drawing against Watford. They made it more difficult for themselves. Losing against Norwich, you know. They're making it more difficult for themselves, sort of thing. They can still get it, but admittedly, if I was Leicester, you know, the papers would start to crack. Because naturally, I think, you know, teams that are having good seasons, there will be a drop-off. Like, at a point, Liverpool had a little drop-off where they weren't collecting results as much. I think it was around when they lost to Watford, you know. Um... Sheffield, since the restart, they've been kind of poor. They've been performing above expectations. Leicester, you, you know, Vardy isn't quite scoring as much and he'll probably shut me up and score in the weekend. Um, 
So yeah, you see a natural drop off. Watford, I mean, Leicester have been having a bit of a drop off, but they need if they don't get top four, they can only blame themselves. If them players are not playing in the Champions League, it's for themselves. And I'm sure a couple of them was still are still there from the side that won the league, like Casper Schmeichel. I'm sure they they you know they want to play in the champs. You know they've been playing well all season. Why let yourselves down? Sort of thing. Um, obviously after that you've got Wolves. Let's see Wolves' fixtures. Obviously we know they're two points off, and we know they're playing Arsenal. Um, tomorrow they've got us then they've got a trip to Sheffield then they've got to play Everton at home then Burnley away Wolves at home and Chelsea on the last day so it's down to Wolves again that's a, not an easy bunch of fixtures really and truly um, if we look at the Premier League fixtures in general I mean Premier League table sorry and we just I'm just trying to make to be honest people I'm just trying to make it look like Arsenal's calm what you've got you know, no one's getting City and Liverpool, you know. City are on 66, Liverpool on 86, Leicester on 55, Chelsea on 54, United 5th on 52. Wolves breathing down their necks on 52 as well, so clearly goal difference is separating that. You've got Sheffield 7th, which is on 47 points. 8th is Arsenal on 46. You've got Spurs as well on 45 with Burnley in 10th. Mathematically, I guess the teams outside the top six currently, you know, I'd say it's down to the teams that are ranked third to six, you know, so it's, you know, like I said, United, Chelsea, Leicester, Wolves, it's down to them to fight. But you never know, Sheffield, Arsenal, if you put a run together, you don't know what could happen. I don't think it's going to happen for Arsenal because, what, there's six games left. We need too much. We need to win all of these games and we potentially need too much from the other teams that we need United to lose too many points. Chelsea as well. Leicester the same. It's out of our hands and we've had 13 draws this season. That's why we're not more... We, that's why we're not third or fourth right now and that's why we're not in this ranking on top of everything, people. So, you know, we can we keep fighting, we keep hoping, but Arsenal are not involved, man. You look at it. Apologies, we are at home, people. We've got Wolves away. Leicester at home, Spurs away, Liverpool at home, Villa away, Man City in the FA Cup, which is irrelevant to this, and then Watford on the last day. So we're playing two teams that are fighting relegation, the current champions, and a North London derby, as well as two other teams that are fighting for Champions League. So it's a bit of a Mazzolini, to put it nicely. If I look at Spurs' fixtures, we obviously know they're playing us. They've got Everton, Bournemouth, the North London derby, Newcastle, Leicester, and they end their campaign against Crystal Palace so it's going to be interesting if we look at the other half of the table quickly people and um and look at the relegation race I'm sure a lot of our relegation teams or the teams we're picking aren't going to change too much but it is dodgy down there now you'd like to think Southampton are safe they've got the illustrious, illustrious 40 points you know Brighton are 15th for 33 West Ham are on 30 um, technically Watford are not in the relegation zone at the moment they're a point above safety in 17th and then the positions that the teams are in now is what I believe is going to go down. I think Villa are gone. You know, they could fight out mathematically. They win. They put pressure on a lot of people. At Bournemouth on 27 points like Villa. But I just believe Bournemouth are gone. You know, you hear talks of Eddie Howe doing crisis talks. I think certain players, I'm not saying all of them, but certain players, just for argument's sake, Ake, King, a lot of them know they can get Premier League moves. Fraser, he knows he's playing Premier League football, doesn't want to play this campaign. A lot of their players are just not good enough for the Premier League and a lot of them are resigned to returning back to the Championship or even below. I just think Bournemouth are gone. You know, Norwich probably have too much to do. I think Villa will be gone as well. Watford have a tough set of games, but I think Watford and West Ham will defeat it. Brighton seem to be safe as well. But, you know, anything from 15th to 20th, anything can happen, people. You know, even 40 points, that might not be safe one day. I think there's too much for other teams to do. So I think Southampton are calm. But you never know. I mean, if we look at Watford's result, Watford's fixtures quickly, people. 
Watford's fixtures. You know, Watford have a hard... I, I back Watford to stay up. I want Watford to stay up, actually. But they've got Chelsea away, and Chelsea probably want revenge after what happened midweek against against West Ham. You know, they've got to play Norwich, which is a six-pointer, relegation six-pointer. They've got to play Newcastle, who are having a bit of a resurgence since the restart. They've got to play West Ham midweek after that. Um, they've got to play City, and then obviously they end the campaign at Arsenal, hopefully with them being safe. Norwich, who I believe are already resigned, and the way they played against us, it just seems like Bournemouth, it just looks like people are defeated, people are fractured, the manager don't know what to do, and it's, you know, it's this, their fate is sealed sort of thing, but that's just me. Norwich play um, Brighton tomorrow, then they've obviously got Watford, which obviously I've said, they've then got to play West Ham, they've got Chelsea, they've got to welcome Burnley, last day of the season they're playing City, so, you know, they I don't want to say anyone's gone, because you never know, but they appear gone. Um, have I already said Watford's? I think I already said Watford's. Yeah. So that leaves if we've that leaves Aston Villa. So let's see Aston Villa's fixtures, which we know they've got to play us. See Villa, it's a bit peak. You know, you never know what could happen. But we just like I said, you know, they got to play Liverpool away on Sunday. Then they've got to welcome Man United. Then they've got Palace. Then they've got Everton. Then they welcome us, and then they've got West Ham. So I think maybe it's too much for Villa to do. I think that's the teams. That are gone really and truly um, but we never know football isn't one on paper there's still six games or so left six seven games depending on if you've played to go you never know what could happen but that's who i think could potentially go down and whatnot moving forward with the premier league action though and obviously everton defeated leicester two goals to one like we've already said leicester are kind of bottling with that defeat it means they've taken just 17 points from their last 16 games prior to that they took 38 from the same run of games so it shows a bit of a blip Obviously, Richarlison scored. It's always decent for him to score. I think Sigerson scored their first penalty of the season, which, you know, we're almost at the end of the year. What's going on with Everton? They're kind of being unfair. And obviously, Michael Keane saved Pickford's blushes. That would have been a serious error. Um, since the start of last season, Richarlison has scored 24 Premier League goals for Everton, which is at least five times more than any other player for the club in this time. The Brazilian also has three goals in his last four games against Leicester. So, you know, he's probably all up for that. Obviously, better news now. Arsenal, back to winning ways. Four goals. Four goal. Four goal. Four goal. See what I mean I say? Backside. But anyways, four goals. Clean sheet, you know. It's normal. It's light. And it's, you know, Arsenal, we ain't got nothing to talk about. Fans, we can't ban it. No one. But, you know, I'm sure I had energy. I'm not going to lie. I, when we won and I see Chelsea and Spurs lost, I had energy for my man them that support other teams in it. Car, regardless of Arsenal's team. Or regardless of the way your team's doing, you know, agendas. You have to laugh, you know. You have to laugh. I guess West Ham away ain't easy, I like. I guess Sheffield away ain't easy, I like. Spurs and Chelsea. But on a serious note, you know, 4-0, clean sheet. Aubameyang back to goal scoring ways, getting his 50th and 51st goals for Arsenal. Saka signing a new contract. I can't complain. I, 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 I What I like, I'll talk about the good things. I feel Bellerin needs to improve in the final third he needs to improve i think it was a better game from him than usual because you know he still needs to improve his crossing and his delivery he was atrocious in that but unlike a couple of games it seems like he there was reluctance for him to be that sort of wing back be that guy to make an option because like you saw we um you know what was it Obamian was narrow nelson was narrow which allows the fullbacks to take advantage and i mean you look pepe didn't start but is it any coincidence bellerin came out the side maitland for all his critiques at right back came into the side and Pepe had a better game, you know. 
Bellerin is too reluctant to pass forward and things. But I think him and Tierney, what they did do very well is stay high and wide and just offer that angle because you saw Sabayos was trying to hit them. I think Sabayos and Jaka did very well. Um, you know, I think um, what's his face did well. Um, what's it? What's it? I think Tierney did well. If I haven't said that already. Um, I think we started off strongly as well. We were actually, you know, scoring, um, taking shots on target, which is a good thing. Um, obviously, we got. A, I think we pressed well. We kept them from coming out of their own half and we forced a lot of mistakes from them. Like you saw their keeper, he was going to make a mistake because it was pending. Similar to Eddie and Ketty against Southampton. Obviously, Aubameyang was able to take advantage of the keeper, Dilly Dalian, in possession as a result of our pressing. The second goal, Xhaka's goal, finger beauty, man. For all David Luiz's critiques, it's a lovely move, lovely pass from him. Aubameyang gets his assist and Xhaka just continues his run and gets his, I believe, his first goal of the campaign in the Prem. I could be wrong, that's what commentators said. Um, so, yeah, on the topic of Aubameyang, um, you know, he got to he got to 50-odd goals, 50 goals quicker than Henri, who took 77 games. Well, no, sorry, um, um, Aubameyang took 77 games, which is quite decent and he's been a quality signing. But back to this, like I said, we kept them high. Our fullback stayed high and wide and, and gave them problems in wide areas. I think we kept them pending our own half. I think I saw good energy and intent to pass forward. Obviously, it was nice to get the two early quick-fire goals. If I was Norwich and their fans, I'd be very peed off because it's, you're fighting relegation and I think three of them goals could have been avoided, you know. The, the second goal, people are not following. First goal, you know, the keeper has to hold his hands up. Second goal, you know, I think they have to concede it's a thing of beauty. At a push, someone should have been following Xhaka's run. The third goal, you know, Norwich actually started the second half better than us and we can't account for Dimitri's poor back pass and Aubameyang taking advantage. The last goal was just poor defending from a set piece to allow, obviously, Cedric Suarez in 229 seconds to score his first Arsenal goal and also as many goals for Arsenal as he did in the previous 120 appearances for Southampton. So it was nice to get the quick fire goals. It was nice to, you know, tactically outdo them. It was nice to see people score. It was nice to just play convincingly. But at a push, looking at the games against Southampton, second half specifically, the FA Cup against Sheffield United, and obviously um, against Norwich, I feel we need to start patterning up in the second half because I do feel these. There was definitely a moment in this. Definitely the first 10, 15 minutes in the second half against Norwich, they were the better team. Their manager made some tactic big calls. You know, he took off Puki. You know. Um, Chad, um, Chadwell, Cantwell spent the whole first half, you know, following Bellerin and doing up left left wing. Um, he became a cam, and they had more joy. They were you took off Pukie, brave call if I haven't said that already. They were doing their thing, and they they knocked the stuffing out of their own selves because that goal, the, the third goal, came you know against the run of play essentially. So I'd say as an Arsenal fan, I want to see us just shut out these games in the second half a bit better. But I can't complain. It takes us up to seventh. It's three wins in a row. It's a clean sheet. Players genuinely played well. You know, it's a feel-good factor. And I hope, you know, I don't want this to breed any complacency. I want it to give confidence because, you know, I don't think Arsenal are getting top four and doing all these things. But in terms of feel-good, in terms of respect, I want to see us have a respectable end to the season. At best, finish ahead of Spurs in FA Cup. Just in terms of the Premier League, you know, we've put a couple of wins together now, you know. Um, and it's not going to get easy now. We're in the last furlong of the season and probably the toughest, well, the toughest bit now. You know, we ain't got nothing to play for, but we've got to play Spurs. North London derby, pride on the line. Reigning champions, current champions in Liverpool. Obviously, we've got Wolves on Saturday who are two points off the top four. Um, we've still got to play teams like Watford who are fighting relegation at this moment in time. So we need to be careful of what we're doing and very mindful of what we're doing and not simply put... Just not underestimate anybody. It's just, it's as simple as that, really. And that goes for all teams 
of all cl- all clubs, all fans, all teams. Um, obviously, since losing to Chelsea in Mikel Arteta's first game in charge at Arsenal at the Emirates, Arsenal have won four of their last five, have won five of their last six games at home, drawing one, including winning four in a row for the first time since 2019. Arsenal have also won as many matches in Premier League games in 13 games under Arteta, losing three, drawing four, and winning five as we did in 18 games under Una Emre and Freddie Lomberg this season, where we lost five, drawn eight, and won five. So let's just, you know, absolve Lomberg of any of that. That's all Emre. Um, obviously, with, with Pierre, Pierre-Rick Aubameyang, he has scored 14 goals in his last 14 games against sides starting the day in the relegation side. So he's someone that always is trying to create an L. And I mean, after all that crud Spurs fans talked about Arsenal all season, we're ahead of them. It's going to be deadly if Arsenal finish ahead of them, but... Moving away from Arsenal, like, like you can see, I'm a happy bunny. Um, West Ham, big dramatic 3-2 victory against Chelsea. Obviously, it was full of drama. VAR, don't know what you want Mikel Antonio to do with his head. In case I forget as well, the Spurs game, I don't know what going for for the VAR against Spurs. Um, and I can't remember the commentator, but he, he raised up a, a good point. Now, we all think it's harsh. and At times, it's been used for good and rightly so. But at times, we think it's harsh. But it's more... Of, can we really get angry at refs implementing the law that's been, you know, because on one hand, as much as I don't agree with it, they're implementing the laws that they're being told to do. So it's not really, is it incompetence from them? At times, VAR isn't right, but we can't really get onto officials if they are implementing the laws that have been put at place. We need to question the law and the logic of the law and the feasibility of the law. So VAR, I don't like VAR. I think VAR, I'm a better, bigger fan than I was before, but I'm not a fan of VAR because it's still essentially just people sitting down in a room. And it's just bare interpretations and stuff. I'm more of a fan of it than I am now, but it is what it is. Um, so, yeah, obviously, like I said, they deserve to win 3-2. You know, Mikel Antonio, Yarmolenko at the end. Williams scored a lovely free kick and obviously got a penalty. West Ham had a goal denied as well, if I haven't said that. Um, so, yeah, if you're Wolves or Man United, you're kind of laughing at this game because, you know, Chelsea failed to win, Leicester failed to win, and you two teams, you know, it's, it's a deadly fight for the top four. Um, with that, Chelsea lost their 10th game of the season, um, which is only only in 2015-16 when they finished 10th have they suffered more defeats in a single campaign in the Roman Abramovich era. So there's been a season of good things from Chelsea. They're having a bit of a wobble. It really has been topsy-turvy. I mean, they've lost 10. Um, 2015-16, they lost 12. You know, who knows? William is the first player to score a penalty and a direct free kick goal in the same Premier League game since Cess did, sadly, for Chelsea in 2016 against West Ham. So history repeating itself. Um, you know, Mikel Antonio, he's an honest professional. He works very hard and all 29 of his Premier League goals have been scored from inside the box. Um, only Gab Jesus has a larger 100% record, which is 37 from 37. Oh, weirdly, William is the first player to score a Premier League goal in every month of the year, which is crazy from him. Now, moving forward away from that, though, sadly, people, not even sad, you know, Bournemouth are fighting relegation and they lost 4-1. Newcastle are unbeaten since the restart, I believe, in the league. I could be wrong, but they've had, even if they haven't, they've had quite the, the restart. In fact, I think they have lost, but they've had quite the restart. You know, Lazario scored his first goal in a while for Newcastle. You know, St. Maximin, assist King doing his thing for them. Almirino scored a big goal. Newcastle just ran riot, clearly just ran riot. And for Bournemouth, considering they've got United and Spurs next, boy, like boy, it's not, it's not, it's not all fun and games for Bournemouth. Like if I just, I didn't, I don't even think I looked at Bournemouth's fixtures when I was referring to relegation and stuff. But like I said, boy, it's peak for them. 
Because everyone they're playing needs to win games. Like they got United. If United want top four, they have to take three points. If Spurs want to pattern up, when they go to Bournemouth's ground, they have to win. By the same logic as United, Leicester have to win. City, just based on that Liverpool game, if they're really preparing for next season, then they need to run riot. You know, it's a coast sort of derby, Southampton versus Portsmouth, and I'm sure there's pride on the line. They end their season at Everton, which isn't easy. So, you know, it's I can't see anything but relegation for Eddie Howe's men, and apparently he's called a crisis meeting. It seems like that team is, is fractured, man. I mean, Bournemouth have lost 15 of their last 20 Premier League matches, winning three and drawing two. A run beginning with a 2-1 defeat at Newcastle on the 9th of November. From that date, Newcastle, sorry, Bournemouth have only got a tally of 11 points, which is the fewest of any Premier League side. And I mean, if Eddie Howe wasn't Eddie Howe, could he have potentially lost his job? Who knows? Um, Dwight Gale missed a tap-in as well in that game, but also got on the score sheet. And he has scored with each of his last two shots in the Premier League, having scored just once with his previous 33 efforts. Max Saint Maximum Alan Saint Maximum has become just the third Newcastle player to assist three goals in a single Premier League game after Musa Sissoko in 2015 against Norwich and in and Andy Cole against West Ham in 1994. Now moving away from that, I'm sure you all saw Liverpool versus City, City versus Liverpool, madness in it, the poorest guard of honour I've all I've seen. And for Newcastle, I mean, I mean, why do I keep saying the wrong names? For Liverpool, they can say they don't care. It's, it's, they've won the league and a lot of that's true. You know, for pride purposes, for a lack of complacency, you know, it shouldn't have happened. To lose 4-0, it shows that these... I think City players were hurting. It was for pride, you know. They, they've been blown out of the water by this team 20 points and then they have to go and clap them. It's all about pride. Now, Liverpool have won the war. They're the league champions and City can talk about building for as much as next season as much as they like. This campaign's done. But it was a big, it was a big performance, man. Raheem Sterling played well. Kevin De Bruyne, for me, it's for me personally, it's between Mane and him for PFA. Um, you know, Kevin De Bruyne, a superb player, man. Scoring, getting assists. Sterling running riot and just completely ruining Joe Gomez in that game. Um, City balled out, man. The number of City players played well. I, I'm not the biggest fan of Mendy. I think he's a decent player. I just think he's overrated. Solid performance from Mendy. And it was a weird game, really, because Liverpool were in the game at a point. Both teams were in it. And it's like, after that penalty, Liverpool just said, F it, man. We're, we're hungover anyways. Pardon me. And obviously, sadly, that's the joint heaviest defeat um, by a team already crowned champions in a season, along with Arsenal's 4-0 defeat to Liverpool in 1997-98. Um, this actually is the second biggest, I believe, defeat Jurgen Klopp has held as a Liverpool manager. And it's... Both of them have come against City. I think they lost 5-0 one time and they lost 4-0 today. Um, it's the first time since 2017 Liverpool found themselves four goals down in the Premier League game since um, 2017, which was also against City, where obviously they lost 5-0. Foden scored a lovely... That I Foden's goal, just for the move, was quality. And Van Dijk, unlike him, got sucked in. But Foden has scored and assist, assisted in the same game for the first time in the Premier League, while he is the youngest player to do so in the game against Liverpool in the competition he's also been directly he's been quite the player since the restart Foden but he's been directly involved in 19 goals in his last 24 starts in all comps for City 9 goals and 10 assists now you know next season again City are going to invest but you'd imagine like he's starting against Liverpool and starting these games Foden is going to have a more of a bigger season he's been on the cusp of things been a bit of a squad player rotation option for the last two years now he's 29, he's kind of ready. I think next season, sort of his sort of thing, a sort of starting player. You know, I expect his status to get elevated with 
that the event, the inevitable England call up, which should have happened regardless, even when he wasn't really playing. I think he's always been an exception to the rule. Um, but he did his thing. Raheem Sterling done his thing as well, scored two goals, if I remember correctly. Should have had a hat trick. Well, did he score two? I think he got two. Or he got one and assist, definitely. I can't even remember. I think he got back two. Kevin got one. Folden got one. Sure, Sterling got two. I could be wrong. But anyway, Sterling has scored his and got the the one the pen. He scored his first goal against former club Liverpool in what was his ninth appearance against them. You know, my PFA player of the year, if it is not Mane, Kevin De Bruyne has been directly involved in 30 goals in his last 31 Premier League starts, 18 assists and 12 goals. And I mean, if he doesn't break Henri's record, I don't think he ever will because the form he's playing in, the amount of games, there's enough games to do that in um, really and truly. Lastly, we can't not speak about Spurs and, you know, it was it was... It was it was terrific for me. It was shambolic. I mean, that one of their goals, every defender is just stopping. I think Oli McBurney worked very hard, and he said Jose was in typical Jose fashion. He said, "I cannot say what I think. I'll be in trouble. I'll be suspended. I don't want to be. I'd like to say, but I cannot say. The one here on the pitch is not the referee. The referee is hidden at St James's Park. The main decisions in football now are made by the man in the office. This is the reality. The linesman makes the decisions." But the technology made the decision in the office where they are. He also said, people, we have to do better. We have to be mentally stronger to cope with what happened during the game. We cannot mentally die after Michael Oliver gives a decision. I know that it's very difficult to take. I know the players around the situation will happen. You celebrate and feel the goal. I know that it kicked us in our teeth. But with 50 minutes to go, we have to be stronger. That's my criticism. To my team in the second half, in spite of control, ball possession and trying, we lost that. I don't want to say desire, but we are not strong enough mentally to dominate so much. Not with that sharpness and intensity that makes you create chances. In the end, in the second half, we had the ball, but we didn't have the chances to change it. I think it did affect us clearly, it did. We were playing well in the first half, in spite of us not creating many chances. They scored, the team reacted immediately. We scored, and then I think the team felt it too much and when you compete you have to be ready for unlucky situations for big mistakes their keeper makes the penalty that some guy misses you have to be ready to cope with negative moments and go to the last minute i know more the profile of my players i felt it i feared that in the second half we wouldn't be strong enough to cope with a team that when they attack just defends and counters and i agree with that like i, I asked about arsenal any team in crisis you have to ask about spurs mentally because a number of them have been there for a number of years, especially more so when Pochettino was kind of flying high and Spurs were shooting for top four. So he's right to ask them questions mentally. Like like we, like we, I said previously, VAR done them dirty, but I think regardless of VAR, Spurs need to look at where they went wrong. Jose as well, I think the football is quite stale, dominating possession, but you're not doing anything with it. Um, and I think Sheffield did a number on them. I think he's right to question them mentally. I think the, tactically he's got to answer his own questions. And I just feel they were poor, man. I think this is the end of the cycle for a couple of these Spurs lads. I think they just need to bring in and inject some new life in that team. And I mean, I don't know what Ndombele can do to start. I agree with Delhi not being in the team because prior to the game, I mean, Bergerai has been decent. Moore has been decent. Son has been okay, even though he was poor yesterday. Kane is the top guy. There's actually no place for Delhi to get in. So it's a good conundrum. Finally, there's competition for places sort of thing. And I think Dyer's kind of been okay at centre-half since he's been put there again. But it was a shambolic, man. One of their goals, every day, Spurs lad is just staying flat. I mean, Musa's goal, no tracking. 
you know it's just it's just poor like don't get it twisted to see them lose 3-0 is great Sander Burge obviously started it off but it's poor from Spurs it's it's absolutely atrocious and you know I can't disagree with anything Jose Mourinho has said people and I mean you know if, like questions were asked of Pepe I know Ndombele is having this f sort of fight with Jose and it's difficult when your manager is doing these things to you but you know, if we spent 60-odd million on a midfielder, question marks would be asked of how the manager's using him and and his attitude and all of these things, people, really and truly. It's all going wrong for Spurs, man. But um, with that, Harry Kane is now... Well, it's a bit of a relevant, a relevant stat, but he's 29. He's now got... The key number is 29. He's now scored versus all 29 teams in the Premier League he has faced. He's the only player to have played against more than one club and scored against all of them. I mean, give him a trophy for that. Like, what do you want? No team have scored more via substitutes than Sheffield United, which has been seven in the league this season. While no player has scored more as a substitute than, Mus than Muset, the guy who scored. Obviously, Sandra Burge got his first goal for Sheffield United in the Premier League um, with what was his first shot on target in the competition. Crazy. Um, so, yeah, man, we'll have to see. In relation to the games to come, obviously Norwich versus Brighton. We've got Man United against Bournemouth. We've got Wolves against Arsenal. We've got Palace against Watford. We've got Burnley against Sheffield United. Newcastle welcome West Ham. Liverpool probably want to take their anger out on Aston Villa. And you've got Southampton against Manchester City, which is crazy, people. Um, <clears throat> right, I never knew. Off topic, people. Aubameyang has fast life tattooed on his forearms, people. Um, he obviously with with 50 goals he took sorry it wasn't 77 it was 79 appearances um, he managed to reach 50 goals in two goals sooner than Sergio Aguero and obviously four ahead of Thierry Henry at Arsenal um, which is quite great um, simply a breathtaking goal scorer and I believe it places him at around fifth or something to, to when it comes to top when it comes to reaching 50 goals, I think um, Andy Cole did it before him. Alan Shearer, Ruud Van Nistelrooy, Torres, Mo Salah are the ones ahead of him, um, which is great, man. Aubameyang also scored 98 goals for Dortmund in 144 games. And he has a strikingly similar goal scoring rate at Arsenal, 0 0.68 per game. Um, so he might be 30, on the wrong side of 30, but he's not slowing down because his goal scoring record here is 0 0.67. So, you know... Um, yeah, so it's, it's more or less identical, people. He's also the fastest to reach the milestone in Arsenal's modern history. Thierry Henry took 83 games to get there. Ian Wright took 87. Alexis took 101. And Van Persie took 142. The last player, the last time a player completed the, the feat quicker was in the 1960s, where you had Joe Baker, which was 57 years ago. Um, so obviously to have managed doing this, playing for this woeful Arsenal team in his period being here, is nothing short of amazing for me personally. And it shows why it's decisive we keep him. And I'm sure you've all seen Arteta's comments about he wants to stay. I want to keep him. He knows about my the project. But I think most tellingly from that Arteta statement was when he said after that it's down to the club. So it is, it's very much down to the club to dot the I's, cross the T's, convince him that you're going to bring in suitable players to improve. Obviously give him a contract he deserves because he's well within his rights. So I'd say, listen, and it might not be sensible to give him that, but I'd say if Ozil's on that, what he's on, I want something like that. I'm the captain, I'm the player away from all of that in the most humble way. I'm doing my job week in, week out. We'll have to see people. Um, keeping up with the theme of the Premier League, though, um, apparently teams which will be promoted to the Premier League, which I believe will be West Brom and Leeds, depending on what else happens, teams promoted to the Premier League for the next two seasons will re receive 8 million less than expected. expected. 
The reduction is because of the 330 million rebate the league has agreed to pay broadcasters because of the temporary suspension of the current season due to the COVID-19 crisis. The Premier League agreed a deal with the broadcasters that included a payment of greater flexibility over the start and end dates to the next two seasons, the first of which will now begin later than plans. The rebate will be staggered over the next two years. Um, so, yeah, man. And apparently teams, clubs that joined the top flight during that period will be expected to share the cost. Apparently the pandemic has cost or is costing Premier League clubs a total of 700 million when losses to match day revenue and commercial income are added to payment to broadcasters, which is quite crazy, people, If when, when, you, when you imagine it. Moving away from that, though, folks, and obviously, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all sure you've seen, you know, I think, I'm not saying, I think there's a lot of unconscious biases when, when speaking about race. And it's always annoyed me how, don't get me wrong, if someone is fast and strong, and I don't want it to become a society where people are scared to say black players are fast and strong because that's nine times out of ten, that's a, that's a bonus. But it just does, it does feel that commentator is lazy and it does seem like there's a lot of conscious and unconscious biases and unlearning that people need to do because that seems to be all we are, you know. When speaking about Henri, you know he was technically amazing. You speak about how strong he was. Patrick Vieira, when speaking about Frank Lampard and Steven Gerrard, you know, he's equal. I think he's better than both of them. If you want to say them two are better than him, that's cool. But it's almost like people move like, Vieira couldn't pass a ball as good as them, if not better. I think Vieira was a better passer of a ball than them. People forget Vieira's ability. People talk about Yaya Torre's athleticism and forget what he was doing. Do you see the thing? Paul Pogba, as you lot know, you know, he's got all the ability in the world, can play passes, can play skills, can mix it up and all sorts. But what's happened? He's a strong, powerful runner. And Bile, you know, people were saying, I saw pundits writing he's a defensive mid. It's like you're either not watching the player or you're being racist and stereotyping because he's nothing like a centre mid. He's almost like Pogba in that he likes to play a ball forward in that. So I do think it robs black players of being spoken about properly. Um, apparently a study which was done by Run, Re Run Repeat, a Danish research firm, and is first aimed at understanding whether the football media talks differently about players depending on their wars, on their on their skin tone. Um, concluded that you know they do more or less people more than two thousand statements from a comment from commentary on eighty games across the Premier League, Serie A, La Liga, and Liga was analysed. People, apparently, apparently, it's numbers to the account for the fact there were one thousand three hundred and sixty-one comments about lighter skin players and seven hundred and thirteen about darker skin players, and found the former group more widely praised for intelligence. 62 60 62% basically hard work 60% and quality 60 62% as well commentators are, are also 6.59 times more likely to talk about the power of player if he has darker skin and 3.3 times more likely to refer to his pace the study also found that 63% of criticism from commentators in regards to the intelligence of players is aimed at those with darker skin, while the figure for quality is 67.7%. And I mean, you know, it's crazy because Pickford will make mistakes day in, day out, and I've not heard anyone really critique his intelligence on a football field. Do you get it? It don't make no sense. Harry Maguire, not, he's a good centre-half to me, but he does have an error in him. Michael Keane, nobody makes their errors. But when it's people like Rodigar, when it's um, Bailly, when it's these sort of players, it's highlighted. Um, and I'm not saying every white player isn't, because, you know, you just have to listen to Gary Neville and Socrates and things like that. But this just tells you what the problem is. And it's racism isn't always calling someone derogatory names, it's inclined in this. And apparently, to be fair, Sky Sports have um, sent an email around with quotes for um, commentators to stay away from. And I think Nitty Gritty was one of them as well. 
we'll have to see what happens in that regards. Um, moving away from that, the FA, the you know the head governing body of this country's football, has said um, is to make 124 positions redundant and predicts a 300 million loss due to the corona impact. A short statement. I'm not going to read it all, but he. Um, Mark Bullingham, the CEO, highlighted revenue loss from events planned to take place at Wembley. Um, and he actually said, we need to save 75 million a year and we've got a 300 million potential hole to fill over the next four years, which, you know, you probably see FA whoring out Wembley to every, every event possible, every sort of music event possible when it can happen. Maybe even try to host football matches there. We'll have to see. But it's sad because people are going to lose their lose their jobs. Honest working professionals are going to lose their jobs. Um, and Mark said, we recognise that this is an incredible, dif incredible, incredibly difficult time for those employees who have been affected by these proposals. And we can do we will do everything we can to support them them during the consultation period, which will start soon. Because we halted recruitment the day we left offices in March, we are able to take forty two vacant positions out of the structure which means that we are proposing to remove 82 roles from the organization crazy um and i'm not going to go over it again but i spoke about in a previous in a previous podcast how the premier league pfa and efl are to launch a new scheme aimed at increasing the number of black asian and minority ethnic players transitioning into full-time roles in the professional game has now been opened the scheme open to BAME PFA members at any age or stage of their careers will provide six coaches per season with a 23-month intensive work placement within EFL clubs. Um, the Premier League and the PFA have jointly funded the programme, which will have its first intake run as a pilot scheme, either in the club's academy or first team set up from the start of next season, people, which is good. As you lot know, the MLS is getting back and, you know, we're seeing less and less corona positive. We are still seeing some, but less and less rounds or positive people are being shown up due to the rounds of testing. Um, I don't watch Major League Football, but it said 20 players and six club staff have tested positive for COVID-19 ahead of the MLS's back tournament, which begins on the 8th of July. MLS reiterates the support for players who kneel as well. So, yeah, I thought I'd mention that. Um, quick word on La Liga. It appears Barcelona are doing some serious bottling. I mean... You know they were ahead of the league. They were ahead. They were ahead for a second, and it seems like you know after these two games that Madrid two one nil victories where Ramos has come in clutch in the latest one, scoring a pen. It's been crazy. I mean, you look at Espanyol. Benzema was on sat in that game. He scored. You, I'm sure you all saw the highlights. But he's the third La Liga player to reach double figures for both goals and assists in the 2019 season in all competitions after Messi and Suarez, which isn't a, isn't the worst company to be in. Um, Sergio Ramos, like I said, he's clutch. Um, with that penalty he scored in his last game against Getafe, he has scored 98 goals in all competitions for um, for clubs, um, and which shows how crazy he is. Um, but if you include his two goals for Seville B, he has scored 100 goals across all competitions in his club career, which, you know, best goal-scoring centre-back there's probably been. Um, so, yeah, people. And with the, the victory of Real Madrid against Espanyol, no team has recorded more wins against a single opponent in La Liga history than Madrid against Espanyol, which they won 103 people, losing only 35 and drawing only 33. Um, I'm sure you all saw Fekir um, punch, punch the VAR screen and apparently Real Betis have received more red cards than any other side in La Liga this season. Um, but we can't not talk about Barcelona now. They drew against, was it Celta? They drew against Celta and they drew against Atletico Madrid. Ricky Peague, centre mid, had a very good game in that game for the young 20-year-old. I think he's got a solid future. And obviously Messi got his 700th um, goal for Barcelona. 
Um, he's got 630 for Barcelona. Um, seven, 600 f- what? This don't make sense. Messi has scored 700 first-team goals for Barcelona, which is great. I think, yeah, he got his 700th goal. The English on that didn't make no sense. And, you know, Barcelona have bottled it. You know, they're three points behind Madrid after bottling their last two games. Barca have drawn three of their last four La Liga games, winning one, as many as they had in their previous 26 matches in the competition, winning 19, drawing three. Um, you know, so he's quite poor people. Apparently, you know, Cetin, Cetin, I can't say his name, he's losing the dressing room. Um, I'm, I'm just typing Barcelona. There's many different dramas. So it's interesting to see what's going to happen at Barcelona because it appears the board is acting up and I think there's board elections soon. It appears there's going to be a change in management. There's been rumours of Xavi. I don't know if Xavi's in the next Pep Guardiola or if he's ready, but I do know he's a prodigal son of the club. So we'll have to see, um, you know, Board, the board members in terms of outgoings and incomings and, and the squad. There's many... Fra- a club like Barcelona is run like a circus, in my opinion, and it's crazy. Um, I'm sure you all have seen in Real Madrid's young um, Kubu, who's on loan at the moment. He's become the youngest foreign player to assist two goals in La Liga um, in the 21st century at 19 years of age and 26 days. Aspas, the former Liverpool man, has become the second player to reach 100 goals for Celta Vigo, um, which is a fantastic achievement for him, really and truly. Um, finally, people, if we look at quickly, if we just look at the transfers now, first and foremost, Pjanic completes a, a life goal of his to play for Real Madrid, um, play for Barcelona. Can't understand why they allowed Arthur to go. I think that that screams poor management. You've all seen Sane confirmed by Munich now, and I think Bayern Munich have some scary options. They've signed the young Kouassi from PSG on a free transfer. They've got Alfonso Davis, they've got Sane, they've got Kuman, they've got Gnabry. They've got some real good, talented players within their peak or young 20s at the moment. So they're building for the future. And I think Bayern Munich are doing it superbly. Keen to see what Mon Sane does. Keen to see as, as a direct result of playing at club level together now, what will Gnabry and Sane be saying collectively at, at international level? So we'll have to see what happens, people, in that regard. Um, obviously, Thomas Partey allegedly has given his okay to, to move into Arsenal. Now, every week we're hearing this. I just want to see that confirmed. Um, we've been linked with selling Guendouzi. I want to keep Guendouzi, but if selling him funds a Partey move, potentially, if that's what Arteta wants, then we have to go with it. I don't want Guendouzi to leave, but he's got two years left. It seems earlier in the season there was talks of a new deal. It's been shut up. It clearly appears him and Arteta, their relationship is even more fractured than it probably was in Dubai. And, you know, for all his talent, we just don't want the headache. And I think he's going to be a real good player. I like him a lot, but it appears that he's going to leave. Obviously, I'm sure you've all seen Mkhitaryan is basically not an Arsenal player as well after cancelling his contract with us. You've also seen, sadly, Angel Gomez leave Manchester United. I'll be keen to see what team he joins on his path for first-team football. Um, Big one, people. You know, Jude Bellingham apparently will join Borussia Dortmund until 2025. Um, He believes in the project and the chance to be a starter. Apparently, they only want 23 million euros in They'll make double that when he's sold. I imagine he goes for 50-odd million when he does return to the Premier League. Hopefully, it's at Arsenal. Um, I'm all sure you've all seen Saka signed a new deal, which is amazing. It's believed to have been a four-year deal. We finally confirmed that guy's future. I don't care if he's playing left, mid, centre-back, left-back, wherever. As long as he's having a future, he's played right. On a serious note, he's shown his adaptability playing all over. Um, and he's clearly part of the future. Apparently, Martinelli's expected to sign a new deal as well. 
a shock of people. Apparently, Thiago is is set to join Liverpool from Bayern Munich. Apparently, negotiations are very advanced between the two between the player and the club, and only there's a case of dotting eyes and crossing T's. And I mean, after you know winning stuff in Spain, winning stuff at Munich, you know it's either this, it's either Italy, France, or Premier League, and maybe the chance to play at the Premier League and be part of this competitive league is something he doesn't want to turn down. And playing for Jurgen Klopp, who hasn't managed him before, but, you know, being a German national, being in Germany, you could understand. And I think he gives them, he instantly gives their midfield another option. I mean, I don't know who they take out between Jordan Henderson, Fabinho and Wijnaldum, because none of them have the quality Thiago has. But I don't think you can underestimate what they bring to the table. Um, you know, it, it, it should be Henderson, in my opinion, but Henderson's vocalness being a leader probably sees it being Fabinho, because I think... You can get away with a Henderson and a Wijnaldum in midfield with Coutinho and don't really need Fabinho at the base. Um, but it's good problems to have. I think Thiago takes them up another level. He's not exactly a creative sort of 10 guy, but he's a creative midfielder. He gives good problems because now Henderson, KR, who I haven't mentioned, all of these guys, there's positions for spaces. There's free Ox as well. There's about six midfielders competing for free spots, essentially. So it's tough out there, really and truly. And I think Liverpool do need to make some improvements, potentially a, num a number nine to either be on the bench or present problems to their front three. I think they need a left back because if it's not Robertson, who is it? I would say right back, but that Nico Williams looks decent. Maybe a centre back to take them up a next level. Someone that's, I like Joe Gomez, but someone that's better than Joe Gomez and levels with Van Dijk, if not same level. They don't have to sign all of these. I'm just saying ways of improving the team. So it's crazy. Apparently, Santi Cazola has not only been linked with a move to um, to Besiktas, but apparently, Guillaume Balaguer has basically said that Arteta will ask Cazola to be a member of his coaching staff at some point in the future. They understand football the same way. They love working with each other. Let's hope that is the case, people, really and truly. Meza Ozil has been linked with Fenerbahce again. Apparently, they've asked their fans to donate money and hope to raise three million um, for the player now. Maybe that's to cover his wages. Um, speaking of Arsenal and signings, Mikel um, Arteta says the right thing. He has warned the club that we cannot be a club that sells its best players in order to make new signings. He said, we don't know how the market is going to be. Obviously, we are putting different plans together to see what we are able to do. At the moment, the uncertainty is still big as well. The way we are going to finish the season is going to dictate things financially as well. So if we get Champions League or Europe, you know, there might be more pennies. So we'll see what happens. We've seen different things. The way that Chelsea is dealing with the market is different to the rest at the moment. But Bayern Munich as well, they've been really aggressive. But if you ask me, we cannot be a team that has to sell sell. We cannot be a team that has to sell its best players to try and bring in and improve his squad. That's for sure. Um, apparently, Chelsea, speaking of them, have stepped up their pursuit of Kai Hervites after the attacking midfielder um, signals his um, intention to play in the Premier League. Apparently, Manchester United are ready to let Eric Bailly leave on loan next season. He's had a terrible time with injuries, with Valencia showing interest. And that could be a return to Spain for him. He hasn't hit the heights. I remember United fans used to say he's the best in the league. Um, United apparently are likely to try and go for Senji's Uda of Roma. Don't know how true that is. Apparently, Kepa of Chelsea, the goalkeeper, spent 70-odd million. is being linked with a move to Seville on loan. Um... Apparently, Southampton are looking to ship out Angus Gunn, who they signed for £13.5 from Man City, and I've never heard from him. 
Um, Andre Griezmann, Griezmann felt disrespected being subbed, being subbed um, late on in the game that they last played. Seeks talks with with, the, with his manager. Apparently, he doesn't want to leave because he, he knows there's a change of board coming and he knows there's going to be a change of management. But apparently, he likes the idea of moving to the Premier League and Man United are believed to be interested. And for him at 29 years of age, you would have thought the Barcelona one would have been the last significant move. But it's now or never. You can see him being linked with PSG, who will again be linked with United. Is he necessarily a Barcelona player? On ability, yes. But in terms of a fit, no. And I mean, Barcelona's signings have been a bit shambolic. Because to be fair, Griezmann ain't been a flop. He's been scoring, but he just don't fit them. Coutinho, I think, should still be in the team. But it is what it is in that regard. So they've, they've really spent way too much money trying to replace Neymar and not got it right. Um... Apparently, um, Liv not Liverpool. Apparently, Man City and Chelsea will turn their attentions to Lucas Dijane if they cannot um, prize Ben Chilwell away from Leicester. Apparently, Everton, Liverpool, Man City, and United are due to watch Leon Bailey on Saturday. Apparently, he's keen on moving to England. Um, we'll have to see. Apparently, Kula Bali is about to join Manchester City. We'll have to see if that's true. Um, apparently, Dean Henderson has said he wants to be. Manchester United in England goalkeeper but he has warned he will not wait around forever to become their number one apparently there's interest from Chelsea apparently Chelsea are also keen on Leo's 24 year old French goalkeeper Mike McGann and they're also interested in Ariola, who's currently on at Real Madrid um, Jose Mourinho is also interested in McGann, who he sees as a long-term successor to Hugo Lloris um, Apparently, David Moyes is to revive his interest in Chelsea's Ross Barkley. Apparently, they had a loan approach rejected in January. Um, Gomez, not Gomez, sorry. Gomez is, is targeting a move abroad, apparently. And he's been linked with Gladbach. Manchester United's Angel Gomez, former player. Grealish has been linked with a move to City and Manchester United. Again, we'll have to see what happens in that regards. Jose Mourinho said he wouldn't swap um, La Celso for Bruno Fernandes. I think that's a lie. You're just Ging up your player, which rightly so. Um, so, yeah, man, I think that's it in relation to transfers. It's a bit of a slow day. And we've been here a long time, people, an hour and four minutes. Um, longer than I thought. Um, it's been a lovely Q&A, man. We've, I meant to say Q&A. It's been a lovely podcast. We've spoken about a lot that shows you I'm getting hungry. It means a lot that you lot mess with my content. So I'd like to implore you lot to check out my YouTube stuff. It's been a lovely episode. But yeah, man, I'll see you again next week. People, DG, I'm out.